now we're going to we're not falling for the banana on the tailpipe. That part, oh my god, it's the most quoted line of this movie, right? <laughs> the way he makes fun of his voice. And we're his, not falling for the banana on the tailpipe. Like, Yo, man, I ain't falling for no banana on the tailpipe. It's more natural. You've been hanging out with this guy too much. Like that's the whole spectrum and beauty of Eddie. He's having a good time, right? And he can switch into different characters instantly. You feel like he's hanging out with a bunch of his friends, and he's just kind of making fun of them. Yeah, yeah, and it works really well. <laughs> he's the funniest guy in the room by a mile. Well, easily, yeah. easily, no, for sure. Welcome to Buzz in the Tower, a podcast dedicated to the movies of the 1980s. Our mission is to take you on a most excellent adventure through time. Buzz in the Tower is so much more than a podcast. It's the map to One-Eyed Willie's treasure. And all you have to do is sit back, listen, and repeat after me. Klaatu! Barata! <clears throat> Buzz in the Tower answers the questions you didn't even know you had. Like who would win in a fight, John Rambo or Hans Gruber? Or who is dreamier, Jake Ryan or Marty McFly? So as we rank, debate, and offer fresh takes of the best of the best from 80s cinema, please remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to a podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Don't forget to subscribe to Buzz in the Tower on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For bonus content, you can find us on all social media channels by searching our handle at Buzz in the Tower. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us with topics you'd like us to talk about, visit our website, buzzinthetower.com. That's B-U-Z-Z-N, thetower.com. Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Verde Media. Max, I couldn't be happier with the way our website looks. So good. Yeah. If you haven't had a chance to take a look at our website yet, you need to right away. These guys, website development, online marketing, they are outstanding. Am I exaggerating at all? It is so choice. If you have the means, I highly recommend having them build you one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, look, they're the best of the best. And working with John, uh, their owner, a self-admitted 80s martial arts movie nerd was an absolute joy. Is that why you said the best of the best? That is why I said yeah. that was a tip of the hat to John. Um, they're more than our sponsor. They're our partner. And if you are looking to build a website, they are the group to go to. Uh, find their link on our website and check them out, Verde Media. Today's episode, Beverly Hills Cop. The heat is on, on the street, inside your head, on every beat. Few movies have captured lightning in a bottle like the 1984 classic Beverly Hills Cop. This is Eddie Murphy at his best, and today we're going to celebrate one of the finest movies the 80s had to offer. I'm Mo Shapiro, and joining me as always, the Detective Rosemont to my Sergeant Taggart, Max Sanders. And with that, let's ruin the buffet at the Harrow Club. Uh, it's Rosewood, sir. <laughs> Rose, <laughs> Rosemont! <laughs> I'm very much Rosewood. Big time. Yeah. That's a compliment. Jeff Did Reynolds? you dis and disabled a vehicle with a <laughs> banana? banana? <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop, Max. Woo! 
Woo, we finally made it. The heat is on. I like the I, I like Axel F better. Yeah. Beom, 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 please beom, don't beom. please don't sing the Axel F song. I'll, I'll I'll loop it in later. You you're Pointer Sisters too. I know. You're tone deaf. You're you are fired up. Yeah. This wa- is a, this is one of those episodes. I watched this movie five times this week. You did. It's not normal. No. I watched 10 podcasts or listened. <laughs> you watched 10 podcasts. Well, you know. Well, I mean, there's YouTube. We have yeah, YouTube. We do have YouTube. Just subscribe to our YouTube station. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Again, shout out to our friends at Neon Noir. They did an awesome job. And what then, up, AJ? Uh, and our unpaid intern, Austin LaDuke. Great work as always. Yeah. Our stuff looks good. Yeah. Crispy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the beginning of Beverly Hills Cop when you see Beverly Hills and you see the cop in red. That's, you what, know, that's what we got. I kind of regret that I already wore my Mumford shirt from 80stees.com, but, yeah. but today I did my best to do something. Well, let me talk about your shirt first because your shirt excites me. Mm. Little little Chop Suey Palace from Christmas Story. Oh my God, I love it. The duck when it comes out and they oh. all freak out. And that you know the story behind that. They didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. great. Uh, it warms so your heart, doesn't it? It does. 80stees.com, our sponsor, uh, Another couple great shirts. Um, I right now am wearing the Beetlejuice Dante's Inferno. Bright red. It's it looks good. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous shirt. I like that our shirts are like two layers deep. I wanted to get shirts that were just dramatically obvious. You wanted shirts that were like thought bubble and it's like Beverly Hills Cop. And I want like Mumford High School. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I get it. Or I get Eddie it. Murphy doing the little AOK thing. <laughs> That's a great shirt. It is a great shirt. But 80s tees and also with Father's Day right around the corner, great time to hop on there. Actually, Max, I have a surprise. 80s tees is sending me a Father's Day shirt. I'm not going to tell you which one, but I'll have it on in a few weeks for you to see. Hmm. I don't know what it is. No, you won't. It's <laughs> not Darth Vader. Yeah. There, there's have some really cool Darth Vader ones, but it's not the Darth Vader one. James Kahn in uh, Officer and Gentleman. Or <laughs> was he a father? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he's he to the cult. He was, he, he, was a, he was a father <laughs> to the cult. Figure, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Max, Beverly Hills Cop. Let's talk. This is one of those episodes where it, this is just a passion episode for us. You and I love this movie. And by the way, we'll talk a smidgen about Beverly Hills Cop 2, but I really want to stay away from it because I have a feeling we're going to be doing another episode oh, about Beverly Hills Cop yeah. 2. So let's really try to stay on Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, it kind of follows the same pattern as Lethal Weapon versus Lethal Weapon 2. The second one's more action-based, yeah. but the first one more changed things completely. Yeah, right. Game changer film. You know, we pride ourselves. Excited much? I am excited. <laughs> I'm excited about all of our episodes, but in, in particular, when we do like a single movie episode, I sometimes feel like there's so much space to crawl around in. So we could just start off by talking about like, why do you love this movie? What about this movie do you love? So Eddie Murphy is Ferris Bueller with a badge. Right? Oh is that good? That's, that's really good. Did you steal that from someone? No. You, you made mine. that yourself? That's really good. Thank you. I really I'm gonna pause the Woo! I'm gonna I'm gonna pause the podcast. Hit it. It's been a rough 15 minutes <laughs> leading up to recording. Max already tripped on wires, turned the power off. These are things we have to discuss every loudly. week. You, God, you're chewing. I want to choke you out. But you redeemed yourself. That is brilliant. I mean, that really is why I love the movie too. Yeah, it's just there's this overwhelming confidence that everything's gonna work out. Yeah. The way he loves everyone around him. He's yeah. just passionate, friendship, and it's genuine. It's like and it's a quiet kind of reserved action star too. Sorry, I'm, I'm no right. this. So my, my reason for loving this movie is because I'm gonna I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna fast forward if okay. I if I may. I'm so. gonna fast forward past that movie, past a few movies, and just briefly talk about Coming to America too. Coming to America too hurt because of how good Beverly Hills Cop is. Like Eddie Murphy at his best before he took this weird dive and and didn't have a lot of great movies. But when he was in the eighties at his best. I think he's probably my favorite actor of the 80s. This is the funniest guy of the decade in his best movie. 
his whole story about, and we're going to, we're definitely going to talk about Eddie Murphy and kind of how he got to where yeah. he was. His whole story is fascinating. And then you look at the landscape, your Dave Chappelle's, your Chris Rocks. If mm. you sit down with them and you listen to their interviews and, and they're asked, who was your influence? Eddie Murphy's the first word out of their mouth. It's, every, either, Richard, every, it's either Richard Pryor yeah. or Eddie Murphy. Every comedian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Murphy, I mean, delirious. I'm, again, I'm jumping all over the map. We have so much stuff to talk about. Let's not about do the today. Eddie stuff yet. Come on. All right. Well, we'll do what the makes Eddie this stuff. movie great? What makes this movie great? So yeah. it's a buddy cop film, but it, it's the incipient stage of the buddiness yeah. right like it's not like Merton Riggs where they are knee deep in being the buddy like it's a solo act for Eddie Murphy and then you slowly start to see the relationship forming between him and Taggart, was it Rosewood 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 and Taggart and then even you know Dick Jones hops in there <laughs> <laughs> it's a little deep cut uh, RoboCop joke for you, but uh, no, I mean, it's this movie is perfect for the era that it came out in, well, it's, right? It's simple. It doesn't, it's a drug dealer and a big house and a shootout. Yeah. And it's the Beverly Hills cop department learning they can bend the rules a little bit. Right. And it's Eddie Murphy affecting everything around him. It's, it's the, like the, everyone around him is Cameron. We're Cameron watching yes. the movie being changed. It's a classic fish out of water movie. Yeah, it's and, the, and fish, out it's the fish out of water movie and it's done perfectly. And it's not the nice thing, too, is like it's not insulting towards Detroit. You know, one of the things, you know, I've got my big hiccup about, like, I love anything Detroit related. I think, I think it gives Detroit some credit. Like, I, I think so, Todd too. Yeah. Legit. Well, we've got a lot to talk about with Inspector Todd. There's so many things to talk yeah, about. Yeah. You're, this you're, isn't you're, my locker. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> so we both collectively agree. This is God. I mean, 48 hours comes out, right? So yep. that's his acting Another fish debut. Out of water. Yeah, that's his acting deb debut in a film. Yep. But. Beverly 82. Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop is the first movie where he was solo. He carried the movie. This was his, he was head billing on this, right? Yeah, yeah. 83 was Aykroyd and him in Trading Places. Right, right. Which he was great. I yeah. love Trading Places. Yeah, but it's a, it's a duo. You get this movie and it's a risk. I mean, it's a big budget Hollywood blockbuster movie. This is Simpson and Bruckheimer. I mean, like at their best, this is peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this top gun, the rock. Yeah. Those are the ones. Oh God. I <laughs> mean, if the rock was in the eighties. I would have freaked out. The rock basically was in Can the eighties. Can we 80s. recast? No, we the don't rock with the 80s. Why? I would just cast the same people. Sean Connery and, uh, yeah, and, yeah, uh, sure. and, uh, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah. And Harrison and Abyss would be Very, Boom. Okay, there you yeah. go. It's basically the same people. It's a better movie. <laughs> we just did something. <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh, where do we start? Do we start with Eddie? Uh, yeah. You want to talk about Eddie Murphy? Oh my God. So question for you to yes. start off. Yes. His 82 to 84. Yes. Is there a better three year run in comedic history? He's on SNL. It's yeah. The biggest show in the world. And he, not only that, he saved SNL. Yeah. I mean, he is widely regarded as being the savior of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And like we said, it's 48 hours, trading places, Beverly Hills Cop. Is there anything better from, than that? From a comedy standpoint, no. it's hard. I'm hard pressed to give you something better. Not Jim Carrey, early 90s. Kind yeah. Of? And, and the other thing, too, is like even the movies that didn't get as much critical acclaim, I love. Like The Golden Child, I thought was incredible. So this is his precipice point, though. I think he starts to fall. He becomes too famous. He becomes the most famous person in the world outside of Michael Jackson. Right. In 84. Who's his buddy yeah yeah but i'm saying to be funny you need to be relatable to people yeah so it's like he slowly loses it a little i don't think more. it's the relatability i actually think it's different so he talked about how when beverly hills cop came out right it was uh critically panned it, it didn't get a lot of good uh critical acclaim yeah two and a half stars from roger ebert i think and it did incredible the box office and yeah. he Can we talk about that no we, later, going, later, we will okay. no i know you got all those numbers uh. but eddie murphy said it was that movie that he stopped listening to critics. He said he hasn't read a newspaper in 20 years. So I don't think it's so much that he thought that he was a god. Yeah. I just think he isolated himself from criticism because he just believed like, oh, I guess six to one half dozen to another. Maybe the same thing you're saying. But he moved through his career saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. He made other movies in the 80s that were great. They just to your point, that two year span was incredible. Yeah. So July 9th, 1976. 
He performed in a talent show at the Roosevelt Youth Center doing an impersonation of Al Green. He accredits that as being the moment. This really? Is, this is her hit word, his words. Where'd you find like, this? Dude, I went deep. <laughs> I was actually, I have to be honest with you, if they did a biopic on Eddie Murphy, it would be incredible. His yeah. story is amazing. So he, he gets it. Like it clicks, right? So between that and Richard Pryor, he makes the decision he wants to be a comedian. Yep. At 19 years old, he becomes, I think, one of the youngest uh, stars ever at be. Saturday Night Live. <laughs> uh, and prior to that, from 76 to 80, he's cutting his teeth doing stand-up. Yeah. He goes over to Saturday Night Live. He identifies again, like I said, Richard Pryor, but he had all these great comedic influences, Robin Williams. And then, you know who he loved? Bruce Lee. Really? He was obsessed with Bruce Lee. He's got the moves. Charlie Chaplin, like he, all these kind of like yeah, he's got physical stuff stoic, too. classic guys. He just thought were, they, they motivated him. They inspired him. He is this traditional, he doesn't like fall over for the laugh. Do you know right. what I mean? He's right. not like a, you know, Will Ferrell who right. wants to go to the hospital no, for a laugh. No, no, but he's physical. He's definitely physical. Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't want to be the butt of the joke. No. He's kind of I agree. creating the joke around him. So I did you ever, because I, I grew up watching some of his stuff on Saturday Night Live. Not when I was a kid, but it was in reruns by the time I was old Gumby. enough to start watching. Hey, <laughs> Gumby, uh, Buckwheat from the Little Rascals, yeah. Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. It's so ridiculous. Do you know the Buckwheat? He got sick of everybody saying, like, do the Buckwheat yeah. uh, skit. So sure. he had a episode on Saturday Night Live that was the assassination of Buckwheat. And that's how, <laughs> they, killed, that's how they killed the character off. So widely considered one of the best SNL actors ever. Yep. Uh, Rolling Stone did a ranking, I think in 2014 or 2015. And the only person they had ranked above him, they had his, him as number two. They had Belushi as one. Well, he saved the show. He did. Yeah. Let's talk about comedy for a minute. Yeah. So Delirious is filmed in 83. The red jumpsuit. You got it. Eddie Murphy Raw is in 87. Blue jumpsuit. Which had a theatrical release. I don't know if this is still the case, but for a long time it was. The $50 million that it pulled in was the largest, and I think still is, from a comedy special ever. Unless Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart did a Netflix one that was gigantic. But, but. would you count Netflix? Because this is talking box office. No, not, no, no. Yeah, yeah, so I think just box office, it would be the, the largest ever. Like, you don't know this about Eddie Murphy, right? But, like, he, again, I've watched a dozen interviews with him over the last week and a half preparing for this topic. Mm. So Eddie Murphy grew up in turmoil. His parents, I think, got divorced. His mom was sick. Uh, his, him and his brother, Charlie Murphy, uh, rest in peace, hilarious in his own right. They were in foster homes for a period of time. Their father was murdered by uh, his girlfriend. And this is all stuff that happened like eight, nine years old, Eddie yeah. Murphy, right? He's got that weirdness to him where you feel like he's almost an introvert, even though he's an extrovert, you know, like in the public eye. He's, you think so? he's, he's, a, he's a recluse. I mean, he doesn't go out very much. He doesn't, he's never in the public. Yeah, yeah. During that period of time in the 80s when he was at the height of it, he was. But even then, he was like, he was boys with Michael Jackson, another somewhat weirdo. Yeah. yeah. You know? But he's such an extrovert, like he can control a room. Like yeah. he just like improv. Improv. He's yeah. incredible at improv. Yeah. No question. He becomes this comedian. He gets on Saturday Night Live. And then in 82, his big screen debut, 48 Hours with Nick Nolte. Yeah. Roxanne. You don't have to put. I mean, he was great. He yeah. was like, and, and the bar scene. He was nervous. He was nervous that he couldn't do. I mean, remember up to this point, he's just the guy who does Gumby and Buckwheat and Saturday Night Live. And now he's doing this action cop film. With Nick Nolte. Right. With Nick Nolte of all people. <laughs> who kicks his butt. Yeah. Pretty bad. Um, so 1984, his first solo lead. Yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. The film was Murphy's solo role 
And it's interesting. It grossed $230 million. So at the time, let's just talk 84. That's US, by the way. Yeah. Highest grossing comedy of all time. Highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. Again, all in 1984. Yeah, until it held the title for 19 years until The Matrix Reloaded. I mean, it just, it crushed it, right? And yeah. it was, again, somewhat of a risk. Well, and also, remember 1984? You know the other movies that came out that year. It's the greatest movie year of all time. This can can it, I listen a little bit, please? Please. Okay. I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I went deep into the facts. It's usually your water. So well, you dive in and go. Talking. No, I'm saying go. Facts. You, are, res- you take a deep breath right now. I respect facts. Go. Give me your facts. So 1984 is pretty much the greatest movie year ever, unequivocally. Right? Yeah. I, you, we've had this talk before. Yeah, I agree I like with talk, you. I like talking I agree about with you. I, like I agree with you. This yeah, is yeah. Michael Jordan year. Yeah, yeah. So Ghostbusters, The Terminator, Karate Kid, Purple Rain, Gremlins, 16 Candles, Splash, Red Dawn, The Neverending Story, I Don't Care If I'm Going Long, Romancing the Stone, <laughs> Temple of Doom, The Natural, Footloose, The Last Starfighter, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Amadeus, Spinal Tap, The Muppets Take Manhattan, that's your favorite. Thank you for putting yeah. that in there. I would have stopped Bonze, Police Academy, wow, I messed that up. <laughs> Police Academy, Revenge of the Nerds. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. You know, it wasn't the number one in the box office worldwide, globally. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, Temple of Doom. Really? Temple of Doom made 180 in the US, okay. but made more overseas. It Interesting. 330 total. You know, I could kind of see that yeah, because th- there's more of like a like cross-cultural, you know, uh, appreciation for that versus just a buddy cop flick. Exactly. Know? But this is the first film to be released in 2000 theaters in the US, too. Wow. I know. And oh, this is my favorite 80s fact of all time. I wish you guys could see Max's face right now. He's... Most rented Betamax of all time. Oh, that's <laughs> that, that that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. Um, Mickey Rourke and Sylvester Stallone were both offered the role of Beverly Hills Cop. Do you know what happened with Mickey Rourke? Don Simpson was looking through a magazine, saw a picture of Mickey Rourke, tore out his picture. He goes, this guy is great. And they signed him to a $400,000 holding deal, which Mickey Rourke. Yeah, he kept the 400 grand. Yeah, Yeah. he walked with 400 grand. So this is the movie that's missing from Mickey Rourke's catalog, though. He should have been this guy. He would have been great. Uh, I don't know. I I have a lot. I I could could never recast this movie. I mean, Stallone's story is even funnier. They tried. Yeah. Yeah, Like he basically Stallone, because this is against this is who Sylvester Stallone is. We've heard this before. He's like, yeah, I'll do this movie, but I'm going to rewrite the script because I want it to be the way I want it. Axel Cabretti. Right. And he basically wrote Cobra. Yeah. Then he left and did Cobra. Now, there are things that leaked out that said the reason that the breakdown happened in their contract was just orange juice. Yeah. (laughs) He, he's like, there was, was a, the, wrong a, the wrong type of orange juice, which I thought was great. It reminded me there's a Soprano scene where uh, Tony Soprano is like, I like pulp, but I like some pulp. <laughs> That's all I could think of when they were saying that. But yeah, he, I can't imagine this movie. You know, they give a uh, tip of the hat to Stallone. I, really? Yeah, I think it has to have been. Yeah, it's in Beverly Hills Cop 2 when they're in Rosewood's room and oh, it's Rambo. got the, it's yeah, got yeah. the p- poster of Rambo yeah. and Cobra. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sly, it just would have been Cobra. I, yeah, it would have yeah. been Cobra, which didn't do nearly as well you as know Beverly Scorsese was signed on to do this movie yes too? i do yeah did you know cronenberg was also the i didn't know director? cronenberg but i'm a weird like monster movie well i know the funny thing is so they they ended up uh what's his first name breast last name breast martin breast martin breast thank you so they get the martin director breast. yeah i couldn't think of his first name <laughs> so they get him to direct the movie he had been fired from war games because people said they weren't having fun on set. right which is so absurd <laughs> that sounds like a belichick thing to me but they they fired him and then uh simpson and brookheimer are harassing him they're like we want you to do this movie we want you to do the movie yeah. he eventually took the phone off the hook he flipped a coin yep. to see whether or not he was going to do the movie. And we all reap the benefit because he was the director of this movie. And he framed the coin. Oh, I didn't know he framed the coin. Yeah. See, you always got one layer deeper <laughs> on me. That's you, nice. So this is one of the strangest careers. I can't figure this out. He did Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. Monster. Yeah. Midnight Run. One of the best movies ever. Absolutely. R.I.P. Charles Grodin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Son of a woman. Who? Mm-hmm. Ah, that's half the man I was. I took a flamethrower. Meet Joe Black, which I kind of like in this movie. I'm not a big Meet Joe Black fan. And yeah. then Geely. Yeah. 
Geely is uh, Torch's career. 10 Oscars, 15 Oscars. <laughs> Benefer. What so a terrible movie. It's like, is he, because he just let Eddie cook. Right. Like the script for this is two thirds improvised. Oh yeah. It, all, almost every scene that he was in was improvised. Yeah, literally yeah. he'd say, Eddie, can you do something? Yeah. And you know what's wild? This got nominated for an Academy Award for best screenplay. Really? Yeah. It's not a screenplay. No, it's not. <laughs> it's basically like scene one, open, yeah. do this. <laughs> well, this is screenplay had been kicking around Hollywood in the 70s. For a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was Michael Eisner mm-hmm. got pulled over by a cop. Well, so there's an argument <laughs> about this. You go ahead and tell the story, but there's an argument that this isn't true. Okay. It's, it does sound ridiculous. So Michael Eisner gets pulled over in a station wagon. He's the head of Paramount. In California. Yeah. He was in, yeah, maybe clear. He's at the head of Paramount at this time, and he feels like he just, something snaps with him. He's like... If I had a Mercedes, this wouldn't happen. And that's how he creates the Beverly Hills cop kind of thing. It oh, sounds, it sounds he, cl- a little- <laughs> he claims that he claims that. There's there's arguments the to say the contrary, but yes, that's that's his claim. Um no, I mean the script gets made, the movie gets made, and again, we forget Simpson and Bruckheimer, right? Yeah. These guys are like uh Spielberg and Zemeckis. For like action shoot em up. For action shoot em up films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. But I mean, come on, Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop, those two alone, you, you get yeah, a you get true. a nice pat yeah, on yeah, the back yeah. for that. So let's talk about something that I know you want to talk about <laughs> in the making of this movie. What? The music. Yes. <laughs> it took three synthesizers to make <laughs> Axel F. That song, Axel F. It's a monster. So good. So good. <laughs> so it's a, it's a non-word song that right. hit number three on the Billboard charts. Nuts. Yeah, that's insane. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> well, you're talking about Top Gun. Harold Faltemeyer, who made this, also right. did the Top Gun anthem, music for Fletch, which, right. by the way, fire soundtrack. Yeah. He did the Running Man. Right. Tango and Cash. And then he just kind of like he's, he's good with a Casio keyboard <laughs> yeah. is what you're basically saying. Well, then he worked. I think he was also involved with the heat is on with Glenn Fry. Didn't he either? Glenn Fry did all of the stuff. I think he did. I, the, th- I thought Faltermeyer had something to nah, do with it. Maybe paid, I was wrong. He got an early screening. Glenn Fry. Yeah. Got paid 15 grand. Made it the next day. Created while he was jogging. Well, we had this. I mean, let's, let's, this was radical movie. Jam. Well, I was gonna say, let's throw this back. 26 episodes ago or yeah. however many. Yeah, you're right. Good our job. first episode ever. This was on my list of one of my favorite radical lady movies jams. And the opening scene of this movie. Yeah. Is one of my montage? favorite. It's one of my favorite opening scenes ever. Right. Yeah. You hear that beginning kind of like sound effect. And then boom, you see the Beverly Hills cop pop up and it's like. The heat is on. It's real Detroit, too. You know. He had uh, Martin Brest had a police escort to go into there, and the police didn't want to go to the places that he wanted. Yeah, to Yeah, so he went anyways. Yeah, good, good for Martin. Brest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so people were having fun. The entire it's interesting. Like they did very little shooting in Detroit. Yeah. So where you're, when you're in Detroit outside of Axel Foley's apartment, that's actually in L.A. Oh, really? Yeah, that wasn't Detroit, but the parts that were Detroit are the beginning. Yeah. So you open up. I think that's the uh, Dearborn River Rouge Ford plant that you see like right at the beginning. But then you go to the line and you're on the line with the cars being made. Yeah. But then you're basically remind me of gung ho. Yeah. Right. It's, that's, <laughs> I saw the same thing. It's so funny. And then after that, you're basically Grand River Avenue. I mean, you're downtown Detroit. There's shots where you can see the signs that say Woodward, yeah. you know, like it's all familiar stuff really captures like the, the feel of Detroit. And then the only other scene I know that was in Detroit is the chase scene, the truck full of cigarettes. That's all downtown Detroit, Detroit as well. The Neutron Dance song by, by the, the Pointer, Pointer Sisters. Sisters. Yep. Another so, great song on the track. Yeah. It just, it made you feel good. And that, they didn't need to go that hard with the 18 wheeler too. No. And it's like, it's, it's aggressive. It's like Blues Brothers. That chase scene is aggressive, yeah. man. They're slamming into like telephone posts and other parked cars. And it's <laughs> funny. You can see all, I don't know if these were extras or yeah. if they were just like people there, but they were like watching and, and just awe as these cars just well, get yeah, destroyed. Yeah, they were like absolutely destroying an entire police force. Do you know who the driver was? Uh-uh. He's the lawyer from Seven. Oh, that's so Isn't funny. Isn't that cool? That's really funny. That's really <laughs> Pound funny. Pound of flesh. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, the lawyer from seven. Um, Max. More music. More music. What do you got? Yeah. Nasty Girl by Vanity. Vanity Six. When they were at the strip club. So yep. the stripper named Mouse who was mm-hmm. on the stage, that was her song. And she requested that they play that song. Okay. Song written by Prince too. That's nice. It's a great song. It's a great song. Just Eddie's kind of like grooving and making them <laughs> uncomfortable too. Oh, I love it. He's like, he's like, don't give me a club soda. If I give, get a club soda, I'll throw up. <laughs> What did he order? Like he ordered like a scotch on the rocks? So, no, scotch and soda is the drink in this one. It's yeah. what Mikey has too. Is that a thing from the eighties? Scotch it, and soda? I've never had an order from Yeah, me. you don't ever drink because you work at a college bar. Who's yeah, drinking right. scotch there? <laughs> like have a kindergarten delight, please. <laughs> they they drink scotch in they there. Don't drink Johnny scotch. Walker on the on the rocks. Oh, come on. They do. Barely. Barely. <laughs> when their dads come in and, and visit. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, oh, stir it up by Pally Little Bell. The key is it's really funny. They put it in an entire montage scene when he gets to Beverly Hills mm-hmm. and then they bring it back in when he goes back to the art gallery. I just love those like There's a lot of montages in this movie. Montages rule. Yeah, they do. It's yeah. an eighties uh eighties tribute, you know. Uh, I, I don't disagree. Any other music items before I jump into the part that I want to jump into, which is the movie. Uh, soundtrack hit number one on the Billboard chart on June 22nd, 1985. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it was a it was a hot movie. Hot soundtrack. <laughs> the heat is on. So, Max, you mentioned this, and this is a kind of a good segue right into the movie itself. I'm intrigued. It's not that complicated of a story. No. Like, I, you know, synopsis of the movie. After his childhood buddy is murdered while visiting Detroit, Mikey, rebellious cop Axel Foley, played by Eddie Murphy, follows the leads to Beverly Hills, California, claiming he's taking vacation. He checks in with old friend Jenny Summers, played by Lisa Albacker. I'm Love guessing her. Love her. if I knew that right. <laughs> and starts to believe her boss, art dealer Victor Maitland. So evil. Played by Stephen Burkoff might somehow be involved in the murder. However, Lieutenant Bogomil, Ronnie Cox, a.k.a. Dick Jones, Woo. of the Beverly Hills Police Department, does not trust Foley and hinders his search for evidence. That's the movie. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And then it's just him being him. It's Eddie Murphy scenes. being Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Opening scene of the movie. Detroit montage. Detroit montage. Eddie Murphy is undercover. And he's trying to bust some uh, cigarette cigarette guy dealers. If that's a thing, <laughs> that okay, that's a thing, right? Yeah. And he tell me something. Yeah. Five thousand dollars with my lips. <laughs> how's, how's my Eddie? Uh, it's really terrible. Please really? don't do Eddie Murphy again. <laughs> your Darth Vader is much better. Okay, uh, or James Earl Jones. Yeah, excuse yeah, me, yeah. not your Darth Vader. So it goes awry. He has back. Great black black tank. Yeah, too. he goes back to the station, and this is where we meet our first two characters we're going to talk about. He doesn't really become his partner until Beverly Hills Cop 2, but we'll call him his friend. Jeffrey Friedman? Played by Paul Reiser. Uh, it's, it's one of the best three-minute performances of all time. He has no role in this. this in, in, in Beverly Hills Cop 2, they give him a lot more. Well, no, he maps out, you understand how Axel is in the police department by how he reacts to him. Sure. While, they're, while they're walking and talking, it's like, you're good, but you're insane. So at this point in his career, and, and really even after his career, I mean, really Paul Reiser... Modell and Diner and Burke and Aliens. Yeah. Right? Like nothing so else. I, it was great. Yeah. Well, it was great in Aliens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, movies, I'm okay. talking. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So obviously in the show Mad About You, yeah. he's huge. Paul Reiser is great in this movie. He's he's the perfect compliment to Eddie Murphy, right? A, a squirmy, little whiny, scared of everything. And then, I relate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't my locker. Wait, what am I doing here? <laughs> this isn't my locker might be my favorite line in the movie. Oh, that's bold. It's, I think you're a little too so riled. You're a little there. riled up right now. It's, Come on. You don't laugh every time that happens? I, I laugh every time. We'll get to it. There's a lot of other things I laugh at more than this is in my locker. Shh, that's wrong. <laughs> okay. The other person that we meet is his his poli- <laughs> his police superior. His actual police superior. Yeah. Inspector, Inspector Todd. Todd. Let me tell you why Detroit is the best city in the United <laughs> States of America. Do you want me to tell you why? Yeah, hit me. Because there's an 11-foot bronze statue of RoboCop 
And because Gilbert R. Hill was also the actual police chief for Detroit and ran for mayor of Detroit against Kwame Kilpatrick in 2016, I think. Uh, but I was alive and around when that happened. <laughs> yeah, I remember right. I remember him running for mayor and being like, that is the guy from Beverly Hills. He's Cop. incredible. Yeah. yeah. Do you know his whole story is nuts? No. Oh, Max, insane. So he had a reputation. Let, let me just, let me go to my notes. Forget his butt chewed out? No. City Hall is going to rip a new one in me. So he joined the Detroit Police Department in 1959. Okay. That's a long time. In 1969, he got promoted to detective and was assigned to homicide. He rose to national attention, national, for his ability to obtain confessions out of the most notorious killers. Well, yeah. Dude, he, he was hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Like legit hardcore. He's intense. When Beverly Hills Cop was over, he went on to be a Detroit city councilman. And like I said, he ran against Kwame Kilpatrick to be the mayor. Yeah. So that's, to me, the highlight. The, there's a ton of things that are great about Detroit, but you can't beat Robocop and you can't beat Detective Todd. He's lovable, but intense. Lieutenant Todd or Detective? Inspector, Inspector Todd. Todd. Inspector Todd. Thank Inspector you. Inspector Todd. Inspector Todd. So... They have this interaction uh, with each other where he's getting his butt chewed out because he didn't even get permission to do this, which yeah. also I love that character that Eddie Murphy's basically just making his own decisions. He took the Dearborn cigarette. Yeah. And that he was just, just a week ago. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm just going to run an undercover sting. He's like, of course I didn't take the money. If I had settled for two grand, they would have known that I wasn't. They wouldn't have known. <laughs> so after a rough day at the office, really rough, really rough day, he heads home, but he's a cop and cops have that second sense. He does. He pulls his gun. Yeah. Walks into his uh, home and, and pulls his gun. <laughs> There's Mikey on Mikey, who is. <laughs> Everybody's got a Mikey in their life. You're you're the Mikey for some people, right? Yeah. Just show up, yeah. open the fridge, sit down, start eating. Eat a bagel and cream cheese. By the way. He has like peanut butter and jelly and everything else out. The fridge you, is open. Do you know the other thing that's like the most 80s thing in the world? What? Is like Bear Bonds and like, I was thinking about Die Hard and so, Beverly Hills Cop, all these like certificates that are worth money. I still don't understand are how Are we going to get into Bear Bonds now? Sure. Go well, into no. Bear Bonds. Well, first explain that Mikey has German Bear Bonds. Mikey has German Bear yeah, Bonds. He then, walks in there yeah. and, and Mikey, who was his friend from when they were growing up so you immediately start getting the picture painted that they love each other yeah the end that axel foley was not always on the right side of the law now no. in beverly hills cop 2 this gets explored even more when yeah. he always will say well i wasn't always an upstanding yeah, citizen he's like picking locks yeah, yeah. yeah so this childhood friend of his like they, they, stole, they stole cars car. together yeah. yeah and he sees his old friend and his old friend is bragging to him about how he has he's, german, german bear bonds <laughs> now max what do you got on german bear bonds so bear bonds are government or corporate issued debt instruments that differ from traditional bonds in that they're unregistered as investment securities so wow that's... so listen to this so no record exists that the list that lists the owner's name okay so whoever physically holds them is the presumed owner that's why they're so valuable you don't need to prove that it's yours all right well there you go i learned something new yeah, i had no idea cool? what that was now here's something even more cool for you mikey uh who is james russo love him in this movie do you know what other movie he was in cotton club once upon a time in america i'll give you one that's even better there's what? one even better fast times yeah yeah he was the guy who's the guy who robbed the store and yeah. judge reinhold stops him do you yeah. remember at the oh, end yeah, of Fast Five? Right, yeah. yeah, so like there's a little connection yeah. here to Beverly Hills Cop. In, in Fast Time at Richmond High, yeah. uh, Spicoli is in the bathroom or something, comes out, and Ru Judge Reinhold, uh, Brad, yep. throws the hot coffee on his face. That's the same guy. That's, That's Mikey. Cool. Yeah, there yeah. you go. This could not work if Eddie doesn't respond well right. with all that love. He's like, hey, how you doing? You know, yeah, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. the love they have for each other. It's legit. It makes sense that Eddie is going to go to- Sure. Uh, vengeance club. Yeah, yeah exactly. vengeance. Yeah. Like, you're not going to yeah. kill my friend and get away with it. Yeah. Absolutely. So he hangs out with 
his friend. They go to a bar. They have too much to drink. <laughs> He's like, let's steal a car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they they lose hundred dollars on a pool shot. Tells him about how they he's working out in Beverly Hills for their mutual friend Jenny. Yep. And they talk about her for a minute, which is again seeding the plot for a little bit later in the movie. They go back to the apartment and boom. Jonathan Banks. Our friend oh, from Better Call Saul and yeah. uh Breaking Bad. Well, first no, let's talk about his eighties. I know, but uh, I have to always talk about that first. Okay. He's so good in that. Yeah. He's I mean, so good. Mike Herman Trout is an all time character. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. He's great. And he always kind of plays the same role. Like I've never seen him stretch too far from it, but it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. He's got, well, he's stoic. He's a bulldog. Right. So airplane, steer crazy, 48 hours, gremlins, armed and dangerous. Yep. Holy moly. That's a, it's a list. Yeah. And I love that he's like taking Mikey aside. He's like, everything's going to be okay. Just don't show your face again. And then bam, to the head like a professional. Oh yeah. He's definitely, this is Mike Ehrman Trout Young. Yeah. I mean, he he's great in this movie, just kind of this heartless character. It's interesting. I draw a lot of parallels between this and Lethal Weapon, but I think about the second Lethal Weapon, yeah, and it's yeah. the same type of character, just like this kind of cold, quiet, I, not a Gary Busey, so yeah. not Lethal Weapon 1, but yep. specifically Lethal Weapon 2. It just reminds yeah. me of him. I like how loyal he is to Victor, though. Yeah. He seems like a bulldog. Well, he's getting paid well. <laughs> Victor. Victor. <laughs> when he gets thrown in the buffet, how easy, he easy, easy. Okay. You're jumping sorry, around. Sorry, You're jumping sorry, around. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, so Axel Foley gets knocked unconscious, and and his friend gets murdered. The other kind of wild thing about it is that up to this point, it's not a violent movie. No. It's just like fun. There's a car chase. It's nobody's been like dying. Five minutes, too. And then boom, executed, like yeah. back of the head, yeah. shot, right? You so, don't see much, though, at least. Which not at all. So Axel Foley, while recovering from this, is complaining because Inspector Todd is putting a flat foot on the case. He doesn't like the way it's going. We're and, talking about my friend, man. And he's like, you know what? I've got some vacation. I'm going to take the vacation. Yeah. And this begins his adventure, which. He must have driven his total piece of crap car from Detroit to California. <laughs> that's, that's, 30, yeah. that's 37 hours. Yeah. I've done that drive before. He's out for vengeance, man. Right. So he just drove to, yeah. uh, gr- drove to Beverly Hills. The montage of him getting to oh, Beverly Hills so good. is so funny because, again, it's just satirical of what Beverly Hills is like. The girl winking in the Mercedes. Right, right. Then the two guys, I think, dressed as Michael Jackson. That's later. That's later. Okay, that's a yeah. little bit later. There's a girl who looks like her fancy dog. Yes. There's someone who looks like Nikki Sticks or yep. something like that. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, it's like Rodeo Drive, right. Beverly Hills Hotel. Totally Beverly Hills. Yeah. All Beverly Hills everywhere. Patty LaBelle's playing. So he, of course, has to check into a hotel. Does he check in the hotel before he goes to see Jennifer? Yeah. Okay. He gets to the hotel. The uh, woman working at the front desk is on the phone and she's explaining, I'm sorry, we're totally booked. If you don't have a reservation, <laughs> hangs up and he's like, oh, the, he looks at her and goes, I'm the nerve of some people. Uh, please look me up. Axel Foley. Uh, and she Rolling can't Stone find magazine. him. Yeah, Rolling, <laughs> Rolling Stone magazine, Axel Foley. The whole conversation with them about, you know, oh, well, I see because I'm not big time. And then, you know, it's because I'm black. And all of a sudden they're boom, they're offering him a suite. But th- this is the little small things Eddie Murphy does that are so funny is that they give him the suite at the regular room price. Yeah. They give him the regular room price and it looks like he has an internal heart attack. The blinking, the dead yeah. panic. It's like, it's like the movie's pause for a second. Yeah. Oh, it was great. That makes me laugh every time. So he gets his nice room at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Swanky. Is it Beverly Hills Hotel? Yeah. Beverly Hills Hotel. I think. Who knows? We'll call it the Beverly Hills Hotel. <laughs> and then he heads out to find uh, his good friend, Jennifer. Now, Jennifer, Jenny, excuse me, Jenny Summers is played by Lisa, and I am butchering her name, Ilbacher, Ilbacher. Yeah, close enough. Do you know uh, what she's from? 
An I, officer and a gentleman. Yeah, Casey Seeger. Yeah, she's, the wall. I, I, couldn't for, I couldn't for the life of me remember where I'd seen her, and then I saw that. And really, she didn't do a whole lot outside of that. You I, know she auditioned for Leia in Star Wars? Really? Yeah, she would have been good. I could have seen that. Right? I could have yeah, seen her do she Leia. She has like, kind of spunkiness Yeah. There. So some people don't like her in this. I really like her kind of- I thought of, she was good in this. She's warm. She, yeah. She gives Axel crap. Yeah. She makes fun of his laugh. So when they interact with each other, it feels like she totally could have been a part of this group of three friends, yeah. Mikey, Axel, and Jenny. The wildest group of three friends. Like, oh what, my do, what do they talk about? I, I don't know what they're Using. Right, yeah, stealing I guess, cars. I guess. So when he heads over to the art gallery that she works at, we're introduced to one of my favorite characters in the movie, yeah. Bronson Pinchot, <laughs> Serge. <laughs> Serge. No, I can't get out. Uh, yes, Ahmed Foley. No, Axel. Ahmed. 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 No, I cannot get out. Max, he's so funny in this. I mean, uh, the I, already, thumb ring. I already loved him yeah. from Barry and Risky Business. Yeah, but we know what we really love him from. When he opens the door in Risky Business, that might be my favorite scene. But Max, yeah, I know, I know. You know what we really love him from? What? Perfect Strangers. Perfect Strangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say yeah. what. Come on. Sorry, but we love him from this too. Max, I want to express it with a little Max, lemon. Max, sometimes the world looks perfect. <laughs> Nothing to rearrange. <laughs> Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. Standing tall on the wings of my dreams. This is ridiculous. Come on. Rise and fall on the wings of my dreams. Why are you doing this? Just to show you that I know it. Okay. I'm very proud. There you go. Good, good, good. He's great in Perfect Strangers. He's so funny. You know, this was supposed to be two roles, but they liked him so much. They like dialed down the other guy and just made him this. Oh, I love it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, he was great in this. Yeah. I was, he was hilarious. So. Oh, and it was great to see him. And again, I, I, I love his character. I love the introduction of him. The only other they play so well off each other. too. Yeah. Oh, they're hilarious. They, and the only other, the only other character we're going to get to in a minute that I think was like brilliant is Damon Wayne's for his five seconds on film, but we'll Josh get to Reynolds that in a minute. Great in this too. Yes. Everybody's great. In this. Yeah. That's why it's a great movie. All right. So he goes and uh, meets up with Jenny. Yep. And now that he's met up with Jenny. He finds out that Jenny works for Victor, Victor Maitland. Maitland. So dum, dum, dum. He, he goes to check out what the deals with Victor Maitland, <laughs> the flower delivery. So let's talk about Victor Maitland for yep. a second. He is in a lot of stuff as Victor Maitland. He's always Victor Maitland, right? Octopussy, he's Orlov. Orlov yep. And then... <laughs> First blood, part two. first blood part two Podofsky. Yeah. And he plays basically the same character that he plays in Octopussy, which is a variant character of Victor Maitland. You know these evil yeah. characters, you know, you know what's wild though. It's like, he looks foreign. He's just British. He right. just had those piercing blue eyes. He does a great Russian accent. Yeah. yeah. Do you know he has no eyebrows either? He's just like a seal. Like I didn't an evil know that. Seal. An By evil way, seal. What is he wearing in the first scene? It's a robe. It's like a robe, it's like right? It's a silk dress work robe. I don't know. It's, 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 Beverly, it's Beverly Hills. It's my dream. So Axel Foley confronts Victor Maitland and basically says, you know, what's going on? What happened with Mikey? <laughs> well, well, first, yeah, he tells him Mikey's dead and he does the worst act. He goes, oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> they eject Axel Foley through the window yeah. and he is immediately arrested by Beverly Hills police officers. And it's funny because they really go out of their way to make it seem like these are the most wonderbred, clean cut, by the book. Yeah. You know, he's in the back of the cop car and he's like, you guys, the <laughs> nicest, nicest cop car, car I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. So they get to the station and we are introduced to the other two members of this soon to be Ooh, bromance. Yeah. We get introduced to Judge Reinhold, who's playing Detective Billy Rosewood, and John Ashton, who's playing Sergeant Taggart. Taggart pops him. Pops Axel right away. Right, right it's in the a stomach. good like right hook. That's oh, a good shot. Right? Yeah. So the cool thing about this is the three of them represent the spectrum of kind of behavior, right? So you have on the far right, Axel Foley. Yeah. On the far left, Taggart. And then you have the impressionable Rosewood sure. in the middle. And he wants to be Axel. He, well, he, he, like, he, he's looking desperately for like a role model. So he, he'll listen to Taggart, but then he'll get pulled. But then all three of them end up being like. Best you, bros. Yeah, best bros. It's the best. So Taggart, let's start with him. Okay. No, let's start with Rosewood. Okay, good. 
<laughs> Rosewood. Judge Reinhold. Brad Hamilton. I mentioned Fast Times at Ridgemont Highs. Gremlins. Gerald Hopkins for Gremlins. Ken, Ruthless People, which you, I know you love that I movie. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Marshall, vice versa. I haven't seen it. Okay, it's good. Yeah. It's not great. It's yeah. good. It's, He's also the close talker in Seinfeld. So in uh, in vice versa, him and Fred Savage are father and son, and they find this ancient relic, and they switch places That works. They kind of look alike. Rosewood is fantastic. Uh, Reinhold's great. John Ashton, not as many roles, but again, kind of some of the sim- similar roles, right? <laughs> is do you know what he's in? It's kind of funny. Some kind of wonderful, right? He's Cliff. He's yeah. his dad. Yeah, which Isn't I think that he, emotional knockout. He actually, I have to tell you, he was great in that movie. Yeah, that like, scene when they're arguing about his life. It's, yeah, it's, and when he, and when he like in the arc where he turns and he tells his sister to mind her own business and yeah. starts supporting his son, it's really nice. I like that. Uh, Max, he is also in. I, 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 I'm gonna say it. You ready? Ken from She's Having a Baby. He's the next door neighbor that's sitting on the lawn chair with no sleeves on. Yeah, that wasn't the right answer. It's Marvin from Midnight uh, from Run. Midnight Run. Yeah. I know. I knew I, I, you know I love She's Having we, a Baby. Yeah, I know. We know each other. We're on well. different pages. We're on different pages. <laughs> Why wasn't he bigger? Why couldn't he do more? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a very... That's all I got. <laughs> I'm done with John Ashton. So you got Rosewood and Taggart. Old married couple. That's how they auditioned, by the way. That Th- they, they pretended to be like an old married couple. Oh, really? So that whole five pounds of undigested red meat in yeah, the yeah. house. That was actually something they read in a magazine oh, when they were funny. auditioning. That's yeah. great. That's great. While they're having that conversation after Taggart uh, socks Axel Foley in the stomach, great hit. we're introduced to Lieutenant Bogomil, played by Ronnie Cox. Bogomil. Bogomil, like I already told you, is Dick Jones from... <laughs> RoboCop. He loves saying that so much. Because it's the best, man. Come on. Uh, what else was to hit? He was in a he's bunch a, of stuff. He's the dad from Vision Quest. Yes. He's Loudon's dad. Do you know who else he is? Can I go out of the 80s for just a Co-Hagen? second? He's Cohagen. Yeah, yeah. Job what you want, Cohagen. I give him to air. Yeah. Say the movie so people Total know. Total Recall. Okay. What do they know? Who doesn't know that Cohagen <laughs> is from Total Recall? Podcast. It doesn't matter. If you're, if you listen to me, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't know who Cohagen was, you're making people feel bad. You call Max. His number six one seven. No, that's my real number. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So uh, Dick Jones. Can I just call him Dick Jones? Fine. <laughs> Dick Jones is Lieutenant Bogomil. Ronnie Cox. And he's great too because a lot of times, like the guy who is the evil chief or the tough guy who's like not going to turn, you can already see him. Being, he's the best boss. He wants to he's, help. A, he's an amazing cop. He, he needs it, the evidence. That's it, all I need. It perfectly blends into who he is in the second one. Like yeah. where they like would die for this guy. You know, like yeah. I, I love that. And I, he laughs at he laughs at Eddie yeah. all the time. Oh, Bogomil's great. Yeah. He's great. They basically tell Axel Foley get out of here. Yeah. I don't want you near this. Victor Maitland is a respected businessman and you're just some guy that we just picked up who's got a gun on him from Detroit who says he's a cop. Like, get out of here right now. So he's like, all right, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I'll get out of here. So Rosewood and Taggart are assigned to follow Axel and get him out of town. Basically make sure he leaves. Yeah. So he goes back to, you know what, Max? Now I'm thinking of it. It's not the Beverly Hills Hotel. It's the Beverly Palm. Oh, yeah, That's right. what they call yeah, the Beverly yeah. Palm Hotel. So follows him back to the Beverly Palm Hotel. He uh, He's being tailed by them. Um, and to avoid being tailed by them, he runs into a gentleman working downstairs. Well, no, he orders food first. Does he give them their food? Yeah, you're right. Well, he orders them a late supper. He gives them a late supper. Shrimp salad sandwich yep. and a cold poached salmon oh with dill sauce. Oh, my God. You have watched this five times yeah. in the last week. It sounds delicious. It does sound delicious. <laughs> orders them a late supper. Yeah. And he then goes to Damon Wayne's. Yeah. Who has, what, a minute? Has his role even like a minute in this movie? Yeah, that's basically it. Which I don't want to go on too much of a sidetrack on this, but. It's actually really fascinating that Damon Wayne's played that role. Damon Wayne's went from this 
first to being on Saturday Night Live. And he was largely brought into Saturday Night Live as the kind of Eddie Murphy replacement. And he got fired from Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay, because I thought you were going to say In Living Color. That's why no, it threw me off. No, there's a whole fascinating story about yeah. like why he got fired and yeah. the advice that Eddie Murphy gave him. And if it wasn't for the fact that we're already like, 40 minutes into this episode and we only have a few more i'd go into more but it was just it's fascinating yeah. the the career path that damon Wayne. Well, you know he, he wasn't supposed to be in this movie they were supposed to do a potato in the kitchen that yeah. eddie was going to take yeah, yeah and they just didn't have time for it nice so so eddie's like call my friend damon wayne's oh that's let great. him do it he, he was great you take those bananas. yeah he was great he was Thank great you. banana in the tailpipe that screws up their car Does and that work yeah well, it, did, it did what it needed to do <laughs> so after the banana scene axel and jenny take off and they get to the warehouse. Mercedes. Yes. And this is where Axel initially finds the coffee grounds and he's alerted that something's going on. So smart. Goes back. Um, I think either Jenny goes home or he comes back, something along those lines. But he goes back and that's where he does the whole pretending to be with uh, <laughs> with customs yeah, yeah. and terrifies everybody in the warehouse. Starts looking up the manifests. When he's done looking up the manifests, he hops out. At this point, uh, Rosewood and Taggart had caught back up with them, hops into their car, laughing in the back, back, and really kicks into this like sincere apology. I love the heartfelt apology when he's like, I sent that food down because I know how it is to be a mistake. Like that's because Taggart Taggart was like, he's making fun of us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And that's when you see kind of the human. Yeah. Yeah. The human side of it. Human. 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 (laughs) Human. President Clinton. (laughs) You're just stuck in Kirk mode. I know. It's so true. So. Then that leads us to the strip club scene. Yeah. And this is this is another like it's it's a really cool scene because it again shows instead of just sticking Taggart as being like this dumb over the hill, like Taggart gets it. Yeah. This is where they both understand that Foley knows how to be a cop. Yeah. He walks into the strip club, they're having a club soda, the yeah. two of them, Scotch except and for Scotch and soda for Axel. And he notices these two guys come in and start casing the joint. With jackets in a you know warm month. It's a warm month. June's a little bit hot <laughs> to be wearing leather jackets. And it's that moment that everything changes. They go from saying, okay, this is some crazy guy from Detroit saying that this is a really good cop. He knows what they're doing. Yeah, he plays off the drunk thing. Yeah. Freddie, give me a kiss. He sounds like Richard Pryor. It sounds like his Richard Pryor yeah, imitation. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, when I heard it, I was like, it's totally his Freddie Richard Wild Pryor. Freddie hostility, baby. <laughs> so. My Eddie Murphy's really bad. I also love it's the first time that Rosewood's like, freeze, this is the police, which he does a couple other times during the movie. He always does it delayed. Like, yeah. He's always behind. It's funny. Yeah, it's so It's good. really funny. Yeah. So they, they save the day at the strip club, which isn't a sentence you hear that often. <laughs> And they I saved the day. Right. There you go. (laughs) Just Mac. So I can't even respond to that. So they they now are explaining the situation to Bogomil. This is like one of your favorite scenes. I know you love this scene. This is super cop. He's explaining that they were actually doing their job. They're waiting outside. (laughs) Axel was inside acting a fool and cracking everyone up so much. You can watch Taggart's holding the bridge of his nose to hide that he's yeah, laughing. He's, yeah. he's, you can tell he's actually laughing. So apparently this was filmed in August. Mm-hmm. AC was out. Eddie, I don't know if you know this, never did drugs, never drank. Yeah, I know. He said he like, he drank a couple times and he hated it both times. So right? he never even drank coffee. Mm-hmm. And they're like, dude, you got to drink coffee to like perk up. And you can see he's wired. His <laughs> eyes are like batting back and forth and he's just like manically going. Yeah. And I just, I love that he, how disappointed he is when he gets called out. Right. It's right. Like, it's like they finally caught Ferris for a second. Yeah. And he's like, the story was working guys. I love yeah, the, I'm going to figure you guys out. I love the callback to the scene at the end of the movie, but we'll get into that later. So they, this time 100%, 
Axel, get out of town. We've had enough of this. You yeah. gotta go. Well, they get the other squad. I love that there's another squad, yep. but there's always the competing. Well, they're giving them they're giving them hell at the station about yeah. the, the tailpipe and <laughs> the, the bananas. bananas and the, yeah, yeah. So they put the the B squad on them. Yeah. I love that there's always competing detectives in 80s movies. They all, why do <laughs> they all hate each other? Why can't everybody get along with each other? No, totally, totally. So now we're going to we're not falling for the banana on the tailpipe. That part? Oh my god. It's the most quoted line of this movie, right? <laughs> the way he makes fun of his voice. And we're not falling for the banana on the tailpipe. Like, Yo, man, I ain't falling for no banana on the tailpipe. <laughs> It's more natural. You hang out with this guy too much. Like, that's the whole spectrum and beauty of Eddie. He's having a good time. Right. And he can switch into different characters instantly. You feel like he's hanging out with a bunch of his friends and he's just kind of making fun of them. Yeah. Yeah. And it works really well. <laughs> he's the funniest guy in the room by a mile. Well, oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. No, for sure. So. And that's outside of Victor Malin's house. Do you know there's a DeLorean across the street, by the shut way? Shut up. Yeah. No, I have to look yeah. outside. I'm sure you've already got the Whee! license plate written down and everything. There was no license plate in the front. There you go. During this entire thing, he's trying to convince Bogomil something's going on, but Bogomil's a by the book cop. He he needs, needs the evidence. evidence. He needs the drugs. But also, Bogomil's not dumb. He knows there's something. He no, knows he knew he's about the dirty. Right, right. Yeah. He's like very good Bogomil. I'm Axel, like, for like, what, the eighth time, decides to confront uh, Victor Maitland. He really just goes after he him. He goes right to the buffet at the yeah. Harrow Club. <laughs> and that's that's that scene where he walks in. Mind you, he's wearing like a gray sweatshirt and blue jeans that's at this good. like really nice club. And he's like, I need to speak with Victor Maitland. And the guy's like, uh, can I pass the message along? And he's <laughs> like, simplex let him know my test got back. <laughs> and uh, I, that was so great. It's just so, so funny. The yeah. whole thing is so funny. He goes in there. You know, Victor's bulldog basically goes after him. He flips him into the buffet the and ruins worst, the buffet. One of the worst stunt works. The, oh, the stunt guy has a full head of hair. Ruins the buffet. I love how Jonathan Banks looks afterwards. Oh, he's so pissed. He's so, so bad. So mad. He's like staring lasers. I also love when the police come that Foley just immediately puts his hands behind his back. And he's like, all right, go ahead and arrest yeah. me. I'll see you later. Also that Zach calls him cuz. Yeah. I like yeah. that. So they bring him back again. Bogomil now gets his butt chewed by his boss. Yep. I mean, that's was relentless. <laughs> Chief Hubbard. Yeah, he was not happy. You know that dude in real life is married to the mom of Gilbert in Revenge of the Nerds? No. That was his third wife. That's hilarious. Well, his his voice is great. <laughs> the but uh, you are the, the banana? <laughs> is this who, who ruined your car with the banana? <laughs> He's such a chief. But So they go back to the station. Now there's no more messing around. Billy is going to drive fully out of the city. Yeah. Like, like city over. limits, like you're done. They get in the car and Axel does what he does, man. He convinces yeah. Billy, you know, we got it. We got, you can't do this. Like it's we like, got to oh, go. Here we go again. Yeah. So Rosewood is easily convinced by Axel <laughs> so that three seconds they, they got to go, They got to solve this thing. So they go to see Jenny. Jenny says, yeah, Maitland just came up here. Like this isn't good. She joins them, which by the way, if you're a police officer, you would never take a civilian with you, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> they go back to the warehouse. Rosewood stays in the car. Jenny and Axel go inside. They get caught. Yeah. Jenny is spared. Um, I guess kidnapped is a better word. <laughs> yeah, spared. Like, uh... And Axel stuck in there. Rosewood sees Jenny being taken away and she goes into the where, uh, excuse me, Rosewood goes into the warehouse to save Axel. That's a great shot. It's a great shot. Yeah. Uh, again, you're starting to build their little buddy yeah. romance. Uh, the two of them escape. They head to Victor Maitland's knowing that Jenny has been kidnapped and is inside that place. Yeah. Taggart meets up with them and you have this great, like, you know, Billy, what are you doing? Yeah. Like you're, you can't do this. He's like, I'm sorry, Sarge. We got to do this. We got to do this. And he's like, all right, well, I'm coming with you. Gets his shotgun, shotgun out yeah. of his trunk yeah. and they storm the castle. Do you, right? know, do you know what that castle is? No. 
It's the same mansion from Commando. Really? Yeah. That's that's awesome. Isn't that, isn't that fantastic? Yeah, yeah, that's great. I love that. I can never figure out the geography of it. It's too like <laughs> I don't know where everything is. There's just guys popping out everywhere. We need to we need to visit that place oh, yeah. at some point, right? Yeah, or buy it. So at this point, you really start to see all the pieces come together, right? Like <laughs> Bogomil is going to support them. He's sending support. They they storm the castle. They have their final shootout. There's a good it's a good final shootout. Well, let's scene. talk about them climbing the wall first. Oh my god, <laughs> comical, comical. Tagger and Rosewood. You know what? Before we even talk about this, you. You know what we really need to do? What? We need to have an ad right now. We should definitely have an ad. Let's do it. Let's do that ad. Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Capsiva Pain Relieving Gel. And I can tell you that if you're sitting at a table across from a guy who has to go to the bathroom every 25 minutes, True. you're going to get arthritis. You're going to get muscle soreness, psoriasis. Um, Capsiva is all Sorry. natural. It's okay. <laughs> Capsiva is all natural and designed to increase blood flow for the healing and pain relief process. Uh, try it for free at capsiva.com. That's C-A-P-S-I-V-A.com. And uh, you know, Max, I'm an old man, and I need this kind of stuff. It works. is it's it's great stuff. Yeah, it's like Wilford Brimley and Cocoon. You know, what I mean, it's, you feel revitalized. It, that's exactly what it's like. Buzz in the Tower is also brought to you by Lindsay Larravee Photography. Uh, if you have checked out our website, hopefully you have. You've seen the amazing photos that were put up there. Lindsay, so good. Yeah, Lindsay and her team did all of those. She teased my hair. She was she was fun to work with. Uh, just made the whole experience really exciting for us. She has been taking photos of families, children, and smiles in Metro Detroit since 2017. Um, she loves what she does, and it shows. She works with her clients, catches everything in the moment, and adores watching the connections and relationships unfold in front of her lens. If you mention Buzz in the Tower, you get $25 off any family session in 2021. You can find Lindsay on our website under our sponsors page. Uh, check her up and get some work done. She is fantastic. Yeah, she made us look good. She can make anyone look good. Good thing we had that ad to calm us down because we're getting to I'm that. I'm still fired up. Fire. You are always. You've been fired up since the minute we Machine started. Machine guns this. and you know sunglasses. I'm just thinking. I'm, I'm imagining the scene where where Rosewood is trying to get Taggart over the wall and they're struggling and it's just comedic, right? Yeah. And the thing just too is over like going, going back to what you're saying about like the physicality of Eddie Murphy, almost like fair in stature. Yeah. So it's funny to watch he's him slight. like jump around and like roll and he's shoot. He's got a great somersault into a gunshot. Yeah. He's not a guy in an action film that needs to have the big machine gun. He's not Blaine no. from Predator. Like he's just got this little pistol. Yeah, and that's all he needs to kind of do it. I feel like he's a deer. Do you know what I mean? He's got <laughs> very, that kind of very graceful. Yeah, a gazelle. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing. I mean, there's nothing. Like, there's nothing really particularly special about this, right? Like the bad guys get shot. Victor gets really shot up. Bogomil pops out of nowhere and, yeah. and drops six bullets into Victor Maitland yeah. along with uh, Axel, who gets, of course, the hero's always got to get like one shot to the arm, right? Yeah, always. And, and, and he was fine after it. <laughs> they, saved, they saved the day. And yeah, they do. My favorite throwback, like the perfect ending to this is when their chief comes up and they're giving their insane story and yeah. Bo and Bogomil's pulling an Axel Foley. Yeah. He's like, well, in a cross unit, multi-jurisdictional yeah. <laughs> sting with Detroit and uh and obviously that and and you know the movie ends and uh, they're picking him up from the hotel yeah and I do love at the end like there's you can see this sincere friendship and he's like you know they're the he walks up he's like the Beverly Hills Police Department will be paying for all I this. love that so much and he's like oh you guys are too, you know what you're too kind get these guys a couple robes <laughs> and then Taggart's like no no you keep this he's like no I've already got, got three. three three in my bag <laughs> 95 <laughs> and, bucks too expensive yeah, and I know I know we ripped through the end but I, I, I really 
really the meat of it is I want to talk about the characters. I mean, you can just hear the excitement in our voice. It's just a fun movie to watch. It's not too short. It's was an hour, 45 minute movie. Don't you dare not talk about the freeze frame where he puts his eyebrows up at the end and goes, trust me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All, all you well, miss. he puts his eyebrows up at the end and says, trust me. <laughs> I, Spoiler I alert. Freeze frames are the best. Come on, Mr. Mom. Bender. Yeah. That's why all I can see is you right now with your fist up in the air. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the best freeze frames of all time. It makes you feel good. It's just, it's the essence of Axel Foley. It's a great ending to the movie. It is. The whole movie is great. It's a great movie. Yeah. Anything else that you love about this movie? Profound, great, twice. Profound, great, great, grand, (laughs) wonderful, wonderful, great. (laughs) (laughs) I need more superlatives. It's. So it's a movie that shouldn't be good. The star elevated everything and just yeah. made it special. Because Eddie Murphy carried the movie, in my opinion. I guess, yeah, I guess you can't really make movies and give $15 million to someone saying, we're going to hope that this person's going to tie it all together with right. spit and glue. Right. But that's what happened. I think that's what's missing from Hollywood nowadays. People don't take these risks with these small movies. Trying someone who's 24, who's on the precipice of stardom, right. just let him cook. This movie would have been good with other people in that role. Yeah. This movie wouldn't have been Beverly Hills cop. No. Without Eddie Murphy. Yeah. So this is one of those movies. I agree. Like it's an unrecastable, like you can't recast it. So don't ask me to in a week. I was We're saying, not who, recasting. Who would you recast? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know. It's too hard. It's too I hard. mean, who's like, it would have to be one of like the most dynamic Val Kilmer. No, not Val Kilmer. <laughs> dynamic, comedic Michael Keaton. He's the only person I could think of that could do it. Yeah. And with that, Max, uh, we have talked about, one of our favorite movies, Beverly Hills Cop. Woo! Um, and you know what we get to do now? Subscribe to our podcast. The Buzz in the Tower Fan Spotlight. Max, our Buzz in the Tower Fan Spotlight this week. <laughs> this is this is awesome. All right. So there's a little band called the Molly Ringwalls. Best name ever. Ever. And they are from Sheffield, England. And they currently reside in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. <laughs> Party town. That's great. They perform all across the country, East Coast to West Coast. Uh, they actually are just getting back into the swing of things with the pandemic ending. And you have got to look these guys up. They just recorded, uh, or excuse me, they just released their record earlier this year called The Dorothy Nooner Sessions. It's a collection <laughs> of... Name. It's great. It's a collection of acoustic takes on some of our favorite 80s numbers and you can find that and their previous releases and all major music streaming yeah, Spotify, yeah, Apple Spotify. Music. just look them up they the Molly Ringworlds we're going to push out some of their music onto our platforms as well so you guys can hear them but all I you got to do all week. So I, know, I know in between watching Beverly Hills Cop and listening to the Molly Ringworlds same time it's, it's hilarious uh, our spotlight is by vocals and guitar and keyboard player Sir Devin Nooner what a name but I'm going to give love to the rest of the band too Platinum Randy Wildy, vocals and lead guitar. Uh, Dickie English, vocals and keyboard. Lord Philip Wang, vocals and bass guitar. And Sir Liam Thunders, drum and percussion. What great names. Their names, their band, and their attitude are incredible. If and their energy. If, if their spotlight is half as cool as their music and names, it's going to be one of our best spotlights. It's got to be. Let's see what they got. Greetings, this is Sir Devin Nuna from the Marley Ringwalls on Buzzin' the Tower. 
I love that show. I guess it's a reference to Top Gun. I haven't really figured that out. But anyway, thank you for having me. I'm here to talk about one of our favorite movies. When I say our, I'm talking about the whole band because we usually quote this movie pretty often when we're on the road. We're talking about Beverly Hills Cop 1, not 2, number 1, of course. Some of the quotes we talk about, some of the great movie scenes as well. Banana in the Tailpipe is one that we always discuss. Absolutely fantastic. Foley is on the grounds. That's also one that we quote constantly. But how can you forget Bronson Pinchot, who was known for one of those sitcoms in the 80s, A Little Lemon Twist. That was absolutely fantastic. He's an unsung hero in that movie, I think. One of the best scenes, I think, is the truck chase early on in the movie. That is absolutely fantastic. That probably took a lot of work. A lot of work. So look, Beverly Hills Cop, I should say, is one of the classic ones of the 80s. Uh, along with some of my favorite Breakfast Club, 16 Candles. A little different type of movie. But one of the greats, actually. Eddie Murphy was absolutely fantastic. Buzz in the Tower. Thanks for having me. This is Sir Devin Nuna from the Marley Ringwalls. We'll see you soon. Take care. A little twist of lemon, Max. <laughs> he just did a whole podcast. It was like 16 candles. I know. And just uh, quoting things. Oh, like, my gosh. That was incredible. Guys, Buzz in the Tower fans, show these guys some love. Go Seriously. check out Go check out the Molly Ringwalds. You'll love them. If you like the 80s, this is right up your alley. They're us in musical form. Yeah, yeah, basically. That's kind of a knock on them, though. They're probably more talented than we are, but yeah. Okay. A little, little bit. Yeah, Actually, they true. are absolutely yeah, more talented fair, than we are. Fair. So, Max, uh, we've done the Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight. We've talked about Beverly Hills Cop, although we were flying around so quick. God knows if we even did anything in order, but I don't care. I had fun. And now is the time where we get to just remind you, uh, check us out. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Follow us on Spotify. At Buzz in the Tower. All social media channels. Don't forget, YouTube. Go to YouTube. It's search, really cool. Search bar Buzz in the yeah. Tower. You'll find us. We're there. It's fun. It's very fun. It's visual. It's a good time. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, just don't put a banana in my tailpipe. A banana in my tailpipe. <laughs> put a banana in my tailpipe. Don't put the banana. Ahmed! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Max, we the heat is on. Trust, we did it. Trust me. <laughs> Freeze frame. Oh, you Can love you say freeze frame? No, you can't. Freeze frame. What do you got to what do you got to close this out, buddy? Freeze frame. That's what you got? Freeze frame? What I'm freeze framing. Right? Oh, you're freeze framing. You are freeze. Okay. I'll I'll do interpretive. Max is freeze framing. That's good. That's good. How about, now this, I'm doing the robot. I'm, this is how I'm gonna close up. Are you ready for my close up? Okay. Don't do the robot, please. <laughs> Not good. No. 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 Okay, that's yeah, that's better. But that's uh, not that's, that's like not Lewis Skull. Yeah, I know. Alright, Max, I got my ending. You ready? Yeah. Standing tall on the wings of my No. <laughs> no. Alright, have a great week. I'll talk I'll Any talk rules. to you. Axel <laughs> Foley for life. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.